Thank you, ladies. Well, let's go ahead and take our Bibles today. You go to church, you want to hear something from the Word, right? We are excited about having an opportunity to honor those who serve us, but we also uh, want to make sure that we honor the one uh, who gives us the privilege of even being here today. And so, John chapter 15 today, would you please? John chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 14, which won't take that awfully long. It's uh, rather short verses. And then we're going to focus our attention on one verse primarily and then use it as a springboard to move along in our message. It will not be too awfully long. We have a number of things to accomplish at the end of the service, so we need to end a little bit earlier than normal, uh, probably by at least 1.30. I'm joking if you're visiting. I, we will not be here that long, trust me. But we do believe uh, it's important to spend some time in the Word of God. And again, we're glad to have you with us as we make that journey today. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might be, remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. I want to focus our attention on verse 13. Again, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. and He makes the statement, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Today is Honor a Hero Sunday. You think about a hero, by definition, it's a person of distinguished valor, enterprise in danger, as a hero in arms. Say, so what's that mean? I have no idea. But what I do know is it means somebody's pretty courageous and somebody exhibits a tremendous amount of valor. It's somebody who ultimately puts themselves to the side and puts others ahead of themselves. A hero. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater sacrifice that can be made on behalf of a man or a woman, on the behalf of others, except laying down their life. There's no other greater sacrifice. 
I guess, maybe than to live for them. Sometimes it would be easier to give our life than to live our life. Sometimes we talk about death as being the worst thing that could happen to a person, but my friend, that's not the worst thing that can happen sometimes. I'm glad today that there are men and women that are literally living their lives for others. Not just in the Christian realm, but in the world itself, there are men and women that have given their life so that ours can be better. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ is talking about here in John 15. Greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. When I think of a hero, I think of someone like a firefighter saving a small child from a burning house. I think of a police officer who storms a drug house or pursues a fleeing criminal. A soldier who takes their place on the front lines and risks their very life to perform their duty. I think of an EMT who enters a hostile or potentially harmful environment in order to provide care for the wounded. These literally place themselves in harm's way in order to help others. They take no thought of the cost or the potential harm that they may encounter. They only... They not only endure the danger, but they invite it. Heroes. I read about Charles Abril. He was a corporal in the United States Marine Corps during the Korean War. While they were advancing with his platoon, there was a well-concealed, heavily fortified enemy hill that opened fire upon them. Corporal Abril, he voluntarily rushed forward through the assaulting squad. They were pinned down, mind you. I mean, a hail of bullets were flying everywhere. There were, I mean, it's just automatic weapons going off all around him. And there it was, a hostile bunker before him. He takes off full speed, already being wounded already, mind you, from the shrapnel from a grenade that had gone off earlier. He takes himself, flies forward, attacks the enemy takes a grenade in his hand, and runs full speed, diving headfirst into the bunker with the grenade, killing all those in the bunker, protecting his platoon. Took no thought of his own life. Literally launched head forth into death to save others. That's amazing to me. He's a hero to me. So he says, that's crazy. That's just downright ridiculous. Well, he thought, of him, he thought of others more than himself. I also think of a single mom or dad who denies themselves a relationship or vacation or free time or other common conveniences that most of us take for granted. They tirelessly work and they consistently sacrifice every free moment of the day in order to provide a home, food, or a roof over the head of their family. I think these two could justly be considered heroes too. Again, sacrificing self for others. Giving self for others. You know, in our world today, it seems to me that heroes come pretty cheap. I don't know about you, but it's not always the courageous, the valiant, or the selfless, or the sacrificial person that seems to be viewed as heroes to me. 
It seems today that men and women are labeled heroes simply for putting a ball through a hoop or throwing possibly a winning touchdown or kicking the winning goal. It seems also that maybe a number of the heroes today in our culture and our society are, are those that are the most beautiful or the, the most handsome. And of course, I, sorry, but that does fit me. But you have the rich and the famous and the popular and the preeminent in our society that people today consider to be their heroes. See, their hero status is most often based on maybe a performance that they had or possibly their popularity or the possessions that they own. That makes them the hero in so many's eyes. But let me tell you something. When someone is a genuine hero, a real hero, a true hero in a person's life, their status will remain the same all the way to the end. Whether or not they retire, whether or not they continue to perform in the way they did, they will always be viewed as a hero in their eyes. See, when, when, when the fireman pulls your brother or sister from a burning fire, that fireman is a hero in your eyes forever. Not just for that moment, not just for that week or that month or that year, but for a lifetime. Long after they've retired, your heart, your mind goes back to that day. And you say to yourself, I remember when he saved my brother. I remember when she saved my brother. I remember when they did that in their life. It changed their life and gave them life. And I count them a hero to that day. When an athlete scores the winning touchdown or basket at the end of the game, they're only a hero till the feelings wear off. Until the next game or until the next season. And all of a sudden, where the, the, the hero becomes someone that gets booed and fired and sent on waivers. There were heroes, I thought. Obviously not... Genuine heroes. Heroes are those that unselfishly place themselves at risk. Share with others at the expense of personal loss. And they epitomize the passage that we find in the book of Philippians. Chapter 2 verse 4 when it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Again, throughout history, there have been men and women who have set themselves apart due to their heroism. Whether it be the heat of the battle, the teeth of tragedy, or whether it be facing overwhelming odds in their lives, there have been men and women who have triumphed and even thrived amidst that type of trial. Heroes. We see them, we view them, we watch them. And we ought to honor that type of spirit and attitude. In 1967, while fighting in Vietnam, Private Leslie Bell Richard was with four fellow soldiers in a foxhole on their unit's perimeter when a position became under a massive enemy attack. For 30 minutes, they received a mortar barrage. And the enemy launched a very strong ground attack as well, came, coming at them. PFC, PFC Bell Richard, he rose in the face of that group he charged the enemy soldiers and he threw hand grenades into their midst. He, he, he killed a number of those uh, uh, coming soldiers and he forced them to withdraw. So what did they do? Of course, they began once again to attack. They repeated the mortar fire. They, they sent rockets to that uh, uh, and bombarded that uh, perimeter. 
And once again, they charged against that, that defended position and, and they made a, a, a concerted effort to overtake it. At that time, PFC Bell Richard once again resumed throwing hand grenades at the onrushing attackers. As he was about to hurl a grenade, a mortar round exploded just in front of their, their defense. And when that happened, it knocked him back. The hand grenade, already being armed, fell into the foxhole. Four other comrades in the foxhole with him. He instinctively leaps on to the grenade. But that's not where it ends. The grenade goes off, and of course, he is horribly wounded, seriously wounded, but he then again fights his way back to his feet, assumes his place, and begins to return fire to the enemy again until he dies. Sacrifice. Giving of oneself to protect those others there that day. He fearlessly faced the enemy. He put himself at tremendous risk. And then, in the end, he shielded his comrades from a blast that would have taken their lives as well. He gets to his feet and he continues to battle and continues to fight. He never quits and never says die. You say, well, he's just doing his job. Well, let me ask you this. Go to any one of those four in the foxhole that day with him, and I'll bet you t they'll tell you differently. They'll say, you know what? He's a hero in my eyes. I'll remember him the rest of my life. Every day I get up and head off to work. Every day I make my way back home to my lovely wife and my children. Every day that I, I, I brush my teeth and comb my hair. And every day I get dressed. I think of him as a hero because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Staff Sergeant Jared Monty was stationed in Afghanistan in 2006 when he and his 16-man patrol was attacked by about 50 enemy soldiers. On the verge of being overrun, the Staff Sergeant quickly directed his men to set up a defensive position behind a rock formation. <laughs> he then called in direct Excuse me, indirect fire support. He, he accurately targeted those rounds toward the enemy, and, and uh, they had gotten within 50 meters of their position. And while he was still directing fire, the staff sergeant personally, personally engaged the enemy with his rifle and a grenade. He disrupted their attempts to flank the patrol that had taken its position behind the rocks. They were trying to get around the other side, so to speak, come from the rear. He personally charges the enemy. He fires at them. He throws his grenade. While he's in the midst of this battle, this fight, he recognizes that one of his patrol had been injured and was laying there between the enemy and himself. There in the open, there was no place to take cover. The bullets were flying, automatic weapons going off, but he is determined not to allow his comrade to die there on the field of battle or to be left behind. He makes his way there, right out in the midst of that open area. Bullets are flying. He takes hits. He, he goes back finally and retreats. He tries a second time, once again, taking another. And finally, finally, he goes out the third time, not, I mean, determined not to leave his comrade on the ground to be caught or to be taken captive or to die on the field of battle. And there he himself is mortally wounded and dies. 
That so inspired his 16-man platoon that they went out and they literally destroyed that enemy and they found themselves victorious. But it cost something. It cost... It cost our sergeant his life. A hero. As I think about the many selfless acts of heroism that have been performed and demonstrated by men and women around our world, I am ever reminded of the ultimate act of valor and heroism. The scene of that act of heroism is found at a place called Calvary. 2,000 years ago, on top of a hill, Golgotha, Jesus Christ took his place on an old rugged cross. After being mocked, maligned, and mistreated, after being rejected, ridiculed, and reviled, he patiently submitted himself to the cruelties and the humilities of his creation. There on that hill, his hands were nailed to a cross. There on that hill, his feet were nailed to that cross. And it was That cross was then hoisted into the air and dropped into a hole, crashing to an abrupt halt, literally tearing and shredding the sinew in his hands and his feet. There he hung, enduring the shame and the pain of crucifixion. He could have called legions of angels. He could have invoked his supernatural powers. He could have once again, taken charge of his deity and said, I will not permit them to treat me this way. I will not allow myself to be, be misaligned, maligned and mistreated. I'll not allow myself to suffer and be tormented in this agony and this pain. But no, instead he remained on that cross. Instead he suffered and he died. Instead he yielded himself to death. What makes him a hero that he did that for you. And he did that for me. You say, but he died for the sin of the world. I know he did. That is true. But more accurately, he died for you. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 through 6, the Bible says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus Christ there at that scene, the scene of Calvary, there he gave himself, he suffered there, and he died there for you and for me. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible says, Who his own self, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. We see the scene of that act of heroism. But we also note the source of that act of heroism. What we often fail to realize is that 
We offer God nothing that he needs. Did you get what? I mean, think about it. We offer God nothing that he needs. There's not one thing that I possess. There's not one thing that I have that isn't from him anyway. God does not need Mark O'Donnell to be happy. Do you understand that he doesn't need you either to be happy? Do you realize that what he did, he did for one reason only? Because he loves you. You say, well, he needed me. No, he didn't. You say, but he wouldn't be happy if I wasn't there to talk with him in fellowship. Yes, he would. Jesus Christ, God of heaven and earth, the creator of all the universe, is quite content and he is capable of being complete without you and without me. He doesn't need anyone to complete him. He is already complete. But the source of that act of heroism, the reason why he hung on Calvary, the reason why he allowed them to pluck his beard The reason why he allowed them to place that crown of thorns on his head. The reason why he allowed them to beat him with a cat of nine tails. And the reason why they could mock, malign, and mistreat him was because he loved you. And he loves me. That's called grace, by the way. It's getting what we don't deserve. And none of us deserve eternal life. And none of us deserve a home in heaven. And none of us deserve to be called the sons of God. Or or even cry out to God as our Father. We don't deserve that. When we consider the sin that's rooted in our hearts. When we consider the sin that exists in our lives. If we'll be truly honest with ourselves. Before a holy, perfect God. Let's face it, there's no reason in heaven or on earth that Christ should die for us. The only reason he did any of it was for one word, love. John 15, 13, our text says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Aren't you glad he loved you enough to lay down his life? Matter of fact, in John chapter 10, verse 17 through 18, the Lord Jesus himself says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Oh, it was those Roman soldiers, they took his life. No, he laid it down himself. It was those Jewish reprobates, the ones who cried, Crucify him, crucify him. No, not at all. No, he laid down his life. If anyone should take responsibility, if anybody would be more guilty than others, it would have to be me. It was my sin that put him on that cross. It was my sin that compelled him to go to Calvary. It was my sin that led him to be crucified. But in the end, it it wasn't even my fault. It wasn't even my doing. In the end, it was his own doing. He willingly laid down his life. That's how much he loves you. Could we with ink 
the ocean fill, where every blade of grass a quill, where the world of parchment made, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor would the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Let me say that again. I love that. I didn't get it the first 12 times I read it. I'll at least read it twice for you. Could we with ink the ocean fill, were every blade of grass a quill or a pen? Were the world a parchment made, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor would the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Man, that's love. A love so great and so pure that we could not even write it down. If, we had, if, if, if the ocean waters were ink, we wouldn't have enough ink to write down how much God loves us. We see the scene of the act of heroism. We note the source of that act of heroism. Last, I want to note the scope of that act of heroism. The scope. We said that the the scene was Calvary. We said that the source was love. The scope, however, is all. In John 3.16, you probably know it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you have heard that verse before? Let's say it together. If you don't know it, just pretend. Do a willy and vanilly. Some of you remember those guys? They found out later that they weren't really singing. They were just moving their mouths. Yeah. Yeah. I used to like them. No, I'm joking. But anyway, <laughs> let's do it together. So pretend, move your mouth even if you don't know it. But you probably know enough of it to probably get through it, whether or not you've been in church or not, hardly. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yeah, some of you have been trained right. They, junior church and VBS, and you have to say John 3.16 at the end also, right? Good job. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys are doing great. You might want to preach this message. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible goes on to say, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But as many as received him. It's unlimited. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation 21, 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I like that, whosoever will. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at one above another, and he doesn't look at a person below another. He sees us all at the same level. We're equal sinners in His holy sight. And we're all in equal need of His perfect sacrifice. And we need to receive and accept His Son, or we will perish and spend an eternity separated from Him. But thank God He loves us. And thank God so much that He went to Calvary to pay for our sin and to sacrifice Himself on our behalf. Thank God He was a hero that day because He was a hero I can live forever. If I only call upon Him. 
Sadly enough, I believe that we are often guilty of diminishing the importance of that act. Maybe even diminishing the intimacy of the act. You say, what do you mean? Well, we glumly, kind of callously note it as maybe at Christmas time or even at Easter, but we fail to recognize it as being valuable, as being indispensable in our own lives. We dismiss it as being corporate and view it as being impersonal. While all along, he had us, you and me, on his mind. Oh, we think about it at Christmas and in in those, those times of holidays and special occasions. And we say, oh, Jesus died for the world. He hung on the cross. He paid for the sin of the world. But what about your sin? See, when he hung on that cross, he died for you. He didn't just die for the world. It's not like everybody gets a free pass into heaven. That's why he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not enough to know that he died. It's not enough to know that he rose again. It's not enough to know that he is the creator of the universe. You have to personally accept and receive Christ into your life. And when you do so, he personally enters into your life. And gives you life more abundant and eternal life forever. But as many as received him. To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. For for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what kind of life? Everlasting. You've got to believe on him. No one has ever made a sacrifice as great as his. You know why? Because no one ever gave up as much as he did. And no one ever did as much for others as he did. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, the Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. I want you to think that ye through his poverty. Can you imagine that there came a point in God's existence that he became poor simply because of you? Well, no, he owned the universe, but he became poor so that we might become rich. He gave it all up so that we could gain it all. Isn't that amazing? How can we leave this place today knowing that He gave it all up for us? How can we leave here and not acknowledge the need for Christ first in my life? How can I leave here knowing that He surrendered and sacrificed everything? He laid it all on the line for me. How can I leave here knowing that and still say in my heart, this life is mine to live. My thoughts, my energy, my time, my resources are mine. Paul the Apostle said, the love of Christ constraineth us. I trust that the love of the Lord Jesus Christ 
will cause you to rethink your beliefs. Cause you to review your thoughts and say, after what He has done for me, how can I reject Him as my Lord? How can I deny His leadership in my life? How can I not trust Him and receive Him as my Savior? And trust Him today. Escaping the penalty of sin, which is death and hell, eternal separation from God in a place called the lake of fire, and receive life everlasting and life more abundant in this world we live. Jesus is the greatest hero. You know, it's true that heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Earlier we spoke of men who were great heroes in battle. We also noted that the sacrifice and price paid on Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf qualifies him as the greatest of all heroes. I want to share one simple story with you in closing about an unlikely hero. The morning was like any other. As Al made his way to work. It was a short time later that Janine, his wife, turned on the television to check the weather report only to hear that a plane had just hit the World Trade Center. Jeannie's husband, Al, he was a a corporate bond trader for Cantor Fitzgerald. His office happened to be on the 105th floor of the Tower One. Al had survived that World Trade Center bombing of 1993. He'd even helped a woman who had asthma escape from the building. And Jeannie knew in her heart, she just knew that Al would do the same thing this time if given an opportunity. She said, I knew he would stop to help and minister to people, but I never thought for a minute that he wouldn't be coming home. Like so many others who were in that building, a week later or so, Al's body was found in the rubble. Al's wife, Jeannie, and his his son, Christopher, were devastated, of course. Then those reports, you know, those reports that were heard of afterwards began to trickle in from friends and acquaintances. Some people on the 105th floor, of course, had made last calls or sent final emails to family, friends, and loved ones. They had mentioned a man, a man who was leading people in prayer. A few referred to Al by name, even. And when Al realized that they were all trapped in a building and would not be able to escape, he began to share the gospel with a group of 50 people. Fifty co-workers. He led them in prayer. This news came as no surprise to Al's wife, of course. She, for years, had prayed with her husband for the salvation of his co-workers. According to Jeannie, Al hated his job. He couldn't stand the environment. It was a, a, it was a world so out of touch with his perspective and his worldview. Still, see, Al was convinced that God wanted him to stay there to be a light in the darkness. He wasn't ashamed of Jesus Christ. He wasn't ashamed of God's word. But make no mistake about it, he paid the price for taking up his cross daily. He would share his faith and with his co-workers, uh, many of which would sarcastically call him names, make fun of him. They even nicknamed him the Rev. But it wasn't uncommon when one of them had a problem or a concern. They'd ask Al for prayer. 
Obviously, down deep, they respected him. They respected his consistency and his commitment. They clearly saw his passion and they noted his joy. And in such times, Al would pray with his co-workers. He'd share the importance of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. On that fearful day, that fateful day, September 11th, in the midst of the chaos and the confusion, Al's co-workers looked to him and he delivered See, there, on that 105th floor, facing imminent death, he shared the gospel. He encouraged the brokenhearted, and he set the captive free. At the same time, Al, he tried to make a phone call to his family, but he could only reach an MCI operator. He asked her to pass on the message to them. He said, tell them that I love them. took the operator more than a month to reach the Brockas. But the message brought them much needed comfort, as you can well imagine. The last thing my dad did involved the two things most important to him, God and family, his son Christopher said. He went on to say he loved to lead people to Christ. That takes away a lot of the hurt and the pain. See, Al Brocka may not have been a soldier on the front lines. may not have been a firefighter rushing into a burning building. He may not have been a police officer returning fire from an assailant or even an EMT administering CPR in a crumbling stairwell. But he was in the heat of the battle. He was a hero who with his last breath reached out to others, instructing them in the way of eternal life. This morning, each of us can be heroes. We don't need to join the armed forces. We don't need to even drive around in a squad car. We don't need to enter a burning building or rescue an injured man or woman at the scene of an accident to be a hero. We can be a hero today by standing unashamedly in the world on behalf of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can be a hero by selflessly giving our time, our energy, and finances to the work of God and to the winning of souls. We can be a hero by sacrificing our personal comforts and desired leisure in order to influence and invest in the lives of other people. See, men and women are sinking into hell today. They are perishing in the flames this morning. But you and I can make a difference in their lives, even as Al Bracca did. We can offer them hope by extending the gospel. We can provide them with truth by sharing the word. We can give them an example of a better way by living a pure and productive Christian life and by being the testimony that God would have us to be in this world. I wonder who will decide to be a hero this morning. I wonder how many of us that name the name of Christ will say, I'm going to live my life for others. I'm going to take the gospel to a world that's dying and in need of Christ. I'm willing to stand on behalf of the Lord Jesus. Even if it means being mocked, maligned, and mistreated. I'm willing to put myself on the line for others. Possibly this morning you have yet to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. Perhaps you have heard of Him and even admired Him from afar, but this morning... I give you Jesus. In Isaiah 45, 22, he says, Look unto me and be ye saved. 
all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Jesus is the greatest hero and he gave his life so that you could live. Live not only an abundant life, but live an eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you trust Christ today? Will you allow the Lord Jesus to take His place on the throne of your life as Lord? To rule and reign? Will you trust Him as Savior and gain eternal life? Father, we come to You. Lord, we thank You for this opportunity that we have to be here in this place. Lord, in just the next few moments, we're going to give folks opportunity to respond to the truth of the Word of God. Father, help us now, Lord, we pray. Lord, in our midst, there may be those who have yet to receive Christ. May you give them courage in just a moment to make decisions that will change their eternal destination and destiny. I don't want one person, Father, to leave here without you. Christ, I don't want one person to miss out on heaven. I don't want one person to have to pay for their sin. I, 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 you paid for mine, Lord Jesus, by dying on the cross. You paid for theirs. But, Lord, I had to trust you. I had to accept you. I had to let you pay my sin debt in full. And today they need to do the same by asking you to forgive them, to save them, to come into their life, to be their Lord. Give them courage to do or to make those decisions today. With every head bowed, let me ask quickly, is there someone that would say, Preacher, that's me. I don't have that settled. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I certainly am concerned about it with an uplifted hand. No one else looking. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Preacher, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. I don't have that settled today. Pray for me. I don't have that settled. Pray for me. Can I see that hand? Let me pray for you today. I won't embarrass you. I won't come get you. I won't do anything. I won't make you come down. I just want to see. I want to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody in the room? Yes, anybody in the room? Anybody else in the room? Yeah. Uh huh. Anybody else in the room? That's right. That's right. You, you're not alone today. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Before I pray. Okay. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Believers, who will decide to be a hero today? Give their life for others on behalf of Christ. Father, now those hands that were raised, Lord, they represent souls. Father, may you give them courage. Father, the devil's going to tell them they can deal with it later. The devil's going to tell them that there's no reason to handle it right now. Or that he's going to put a feeling of embarrassment in and say, No, everybody be looking at me. Oh, I, I'd feel out of place. I'd feel so, so, so in the midst of everybody. Everybody be looking at me. No, Lord, I pray that you just take away those fears. Give them courage. And in just a moment, Lord, as the music begins to play, give them the very courage to make a step, a decision. Lord, we're not going to go back. We're not going to drag them out of their seat. We're not going to do that because you are gentlemen. You want people to make their own decisions. And right now, Lord, we're asking you to give them the courage and the wisdom to make the right decision to trust and receive Christ today voluntarily. Just as you voluntarily went to the cross, they too have to voluntarily go to that cross. Help us now, Lord, we pray. May they be saved today before they leave here. And may they not only know about you, but know you personally. We'll thank you in Christ's name. And Lord, be with these that are saved that already know you, help us to make decisions to be heroes by giving our lives for others on your behalf.
We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed, as the music simply plays. Come on, you raised your hand. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, preacher. I didn't have it settled. You come. Let me help you today. I'll have someone, if you're a man, take a Bible and show you how you can settle yourself. See the promises of God right in the Word of God. I don't have it settled. I'm in the pew right now, preacher. I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure if I died, I go to heaven. But after that message, there's something inside. I feel like I need to take care of something, but I'm just afraid. I'm scared. I, I, I don't know if I can muster up the courage to go forward. That's okay. Just step out. Don't listen to the fear. Listen to faith. Listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. He's calling you. He wants you to make that decision. Won't you settle it? You were prayed for already today, whether you know it or not. I've been praying this morning already for you. I'm telling you, you can do this with God's help. You come. He will do the saving if you'll just do the coming. Just come on forward. God will take care of it if you'll let him. Won't you let him handle it? Come on now. We're not going to waste a lot of time. We're not going to try to beat people into submission, so to speak. We're just giving you that opportunity to respond. I'm a child of God. And I've got to admit, I've been a little selfish about some things. I've been living my life for self. I haven't been very benevolent. I haven't done things for others. I haven't shared the gospel. I haven't tried to encourage people so much. It's been about me. It's been about mine. Well, what about it? Make a decision to be a hero, to give yourself for others on behalf of Christ. I'm going to take the track out. I'm going to invite people to church. I'm going to try to witness to somebody and share Christ with them. I'm going to share, I'm going to be willing to be made fun of or mocked or maligned just so others can come to Christ. I I don't care what they do to me. I know there's greater needs than my own. Boy, isn't that wonderful when we read about the heroes? Well, now we have an opportunity to be a hero ourselves. Thank you. you. May be seated. Joshua's going to come, and we have a presentation today. Today is a special.